Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, April 4th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Negotiators from Russia and Ukraine prepare to resume peace talks. At the same time, Kiev accuses Kremlin forces of war atrocities. On the economic front, a new survey finds the U.S. poised for recession next year. And a prominent Wall Street strategist says the bear market rally in stocks is over. President Biden calls for Congress to act on guns after the Sacramento shooting. Plus, Broadway's McBath has been halted after... After Daniel Craig gets COVID, I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Easy win for the Knicks. Shootout loss for the Rangers. South Carolina won the women's NCAA. The men play tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 106.1 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good Monday morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. S&P Future starting the week. Little changed. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Again, S&P Futures are a little changed this morning. Dow Futures down 55. And NASDAQ Futures are up 14. And the DAX in Germany is down four-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury is... Down 132nd, the yield 2.38%. The yield on the two-year, 2.44%. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have more on the markets in a minute. First, the latest on the war. Negotiators from Russia and Ukraine may resume video talks today. Meantime, the U.S. and Ukraine are calling on international courts to investigate potential war crimes in the cities around Kiev. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the details. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the videos that Ukraine released are alarming. We can't become numb to this. We can't normalize this. Um, this is the reality of what's going on every single day. And through a translator, President Vladimir Zelensky says the investigation has to go further than just Vladimir Putin. All the military commanders, everyone who gave instructions and orders should be punished. Zelensky says the atrocities go way beyond torture. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Well, the European Union is also speaking out on the war. Some EU governments want to impose more sanctions following allegations of Russian war crimes. We go live to London and get the latest from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen Nathan. As Ukraine cites evidence of war crimes in the country's north, Bloomberg understands more European sanctions are being discussed. The European Commission is focusing on closing loopholes and strengthening existing actions such as export controls on technology goods. Also on the table, sanctioning banks already cut off from the SWIFT global payment system and expanding the list of individuals facing sanctions. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ewan, thanks. Let's turn from the war now and focus on the economy here in the U.S. A new survey calls for a recession as soon as next year. 
Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Close to half of financial professionals and retail investors see a U.S. recession next year. That's according to results of our Bloomberg Markets Live weekly survey. Only 15% say it could happen this year. Pardon me, uh, 21% flagged 2024 and 16% see a U.S. recession waiting until 2025 or later. Just over half of the 525 respondents believe the inversion between two and 10 year Treasury yields is the most likely warning signal among yield curve inversions. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And how will the Fed respond to the current economic climate? We get some clues this week with remarks from several officials. And here with more is Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Tomorrow, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd takes part in a virtual discussion on the unequal impacts of inflation. It's hosted by the Minneapolis Fed. On Wednesday, Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker discusses the economic outlook. On Thursday, St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard will discuss the economy and monetary policy. Also Thursday, Raphael Bostic of the Atlanta Fed and Charlie Evans of the Chicago Fed will take part in an event on economic mobility and inclusive full employment. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. On Wall Street, it looks like there may be more pain ahead for stocks. That's according to one prominent strategist. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with the details. John. And Nathan, the recent run-up at the S&P 500 was nothing more than a bear market rally that has run its course. That's according to Morgan Stanley strategist Mike Wilson. He thinks the index has a rough month ahead as it becomes more vulnerable to slowing economic growth. In a note to clients, Wilson says defensive stocks remain the place to be. Morgan Stanley strategists are also more constructive on bonds than stocks over the near term. They say 30-year treasuries offer an excellent hedge against the growth scare they expect from Fed tightening. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, in pre-market trading this morning, shares of Tesla up almost 1%. Over the weekend, the company said it delivered more than 310,000 cars worldwide in the first quarter. That's a record and came in above analyst estimates. At the same time, Karen, shares of Starbucks are down 1% in early trading. Founder Howard Schultz is making moves as he returns to the CEO post, suspending a share buyback plan, saying the cash could be better spent on stores and staff. Schultz is 68 years old. He's taking over from Kevin Johnson on an interim basis while Starbucks searches for a permanent CEO. Stocks in Asia performed well overnight, Nathan. That's after China made a conciliatory move that could remove a key hurdle in its fight with the U.S. over auditing Chinese firms listed in New York. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index gained after two sessions of losses boosted by Internet giants Tencent and Alibaba. The Hang Seng Tech Index gained more than 4% intraday after China modified a decade-long rule that restricted financial data sharing by offshore-listed firms. Japanese shares were fairly unchanged, while stocks jumped in India on a financial sector merger, and markets in mainland China and Taiwan were closed for holidays. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Juliet, thanks. Let's turn to politics in the region now with a change on the way in Hong Kong. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she will not run for a second term. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more. Lam's announcement ends a tumultuous five years that saw Hong Kong become more isolated globally. That was due to a crackdown on pro-democracy protests and rigid COVID-19 restrictions. Lam said she informed Beijing last year that she would not run for a second five-year term on May 8th. 
Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Brian, thanks. S&P futures right now up two points. Dow futures down 20. NASDAQ futures up 34. The 10-year Treasury yield 2.39%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 40 degrees in Central Park. Already seeing an accident on the southbound Van Wick by the Nassau Expressway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. President Biden says Congress must act on guns after the Sacramento shooting. Biden is calling for banning ghost guns, limiting gun manufacturer liability immunity, and requiring background checks for all gun sales. Sacramento police say at least two shooters are at large. After killing six people and wounding 12 others early Sunday, Mayor Daryl Steinberg says it's past time to deal with gun violence. It is beyond time to have a sane conversation about guns in America. We have a sickness. It's a sickness in our country. It's a sickness in our culture. Mayor Steinberg says so far there is no motive for the shooting. New York Mayor Eric Adams talked about gun violence. Adams says he talked to the president about the issue over the weekend. We really have to have a combination. We have to stop the flow of guns, but we must also do the job of getting the guns off the streets that's on there now. And my anti-gun unit, they're doing that. Just uh, a few weeks out, uh, they removed over 20-something guns off the street. Adam spoke on CBS's Face the Nation, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Jury selection is to begin today in the sentencing trial of Parkland, Florida, school shooter Nicholas Cruz. Jurors will decide whether sentencing him to death for murdering 17 people in the 2018 massacre can take place. He confessed to opening fire at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and already pleaded guilty. U.S. airlines are restoring service after bad weather and staffing issues contributed to more than 3,500 weekend flight cancellations. So far today, according to Flight Aware, only about 162 flights have been canceled. Daniel Craig's return to Broadway in a new version of Macbeth has been temporarily halted after the actor contracted COVID-19. Performances are canceled through Thursday. John Batiste took home Album of the Year honors at last night's Grammys. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky appeared in a video message during the show asking for support for the war in his country. Tell the truth about the war on your social networks, on TV, support us. In any way you can, anybody, not silence. And then peace will come. Zelensky made his plea during the Grammys that were held in Las Vegas. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Perennial college basketball powers meet tonight in New Orleans for the NCAA Championship. North Carolina's won the title six times, Kansas three. The two teams met in the 1957 final. The Tar Heels won 54-53 to in triple overtime. South Carolina won the women's title in Minneapolis 64-49 to over UConn. Gina Oriema had been 11-0 in championship games. I've been in the other locker room a lot of times, and... So I know what that feels like, and I've been in this locker room, and I know what that feels like. And one team's going to be, you know, a national champion, and the other team's not. And I think they deserved it 100%. 
They were the best team all year. Second championship for the Gamecocks. Rangers at the guard against the Flyers, a team the Rangers should beat. They did not. Fell behind 3-0, tied the game with three in the third, including goals 12 seconds apart. Philadelphia won 4-3 on a shootout goal by ex-Ranger Kevin Hayes. Islanders got a hat trick from J.G. Pajot. He had three goals early in the second period, and the Isles beat the Devils 4-3. Easy win for the Knicks, 118-88 in Orlando. Just the 18th ever trade between the Mets and Yankees. They swapped relievers. Mets needing a lefty with the departure of Aaron Loop. They sent Miguel Castro to the Yanks for Joely Rodriguez. Yankees also sent reliever Albert Abreu to Texas for catcher Jose Trevino. Tiger Woods calls himself a game-time decision. Unsure whether he'll play the Masters. Suffered serious injuries 14 months ago in that car accident. He had said recently he was just happy to have his limbs intact. But Tiger recently played an 18-hole practice round at Augusta. Masters begins Thursday. Hourly reports throughout on Bloomberg Radio. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, John, thanks. S&P futures right now up five points. Dow futures, little change. NASDAQ futures up 47. The actions in the bond market once again this morning with the 10-year down 330 seconds. The yield 2.39%. Yield on the two-year 2.44, an inversion of five and a half basis points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny today, mid-50s for highs. We'll be in the upper 50s with some late-day rain possible tomorrow. Rain will end by Wednesday afternoon with highs back near 55. Currently 40 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and U.S. stock index futures are higher as traders weigh the latest developments in the Ukraine war with a new push for stiffer sanctions on Russia overshadowing the planned resumption of peace talks. Check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up six points. Dow futures up seven. They're little changed. And NASDAQ futures up 50. The DAX in Germany is little changed as well. Ten-year treasury down 430 seconds. Yield 2.39%. Yield on the two-year, 2.44%. NYMEX crude oil is little changed at $99.26 a barrel. COMEX gold is up four tenths percent or $8.40 at 1932.10 an ounce. The euro, 1.1026 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3120. The yen's at 122.62. And Bitcoin this morning lower, down nine-tenths of a percent at $45,960. And we are looking for reports on factory orders and durable goods orders out at 10 o'clock Wall Street time. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Both the U.S. and Ukraine are calling on international courts to investigate potential war crimes in the city surrounding Kiev. President Biden is calling on Congress to act on guns after a mass shooting in Sacramento left six dead and 12 wounded. South Carolina has captured its second national championship in the women's NCAA basketball tournament. The Gamecocks shut down UConn 64-49. The men's NCAA tournament final is tonight between Kansas and North Carolina. In the NBA, the Knicks won. Celtics beat the Wizards 144-102. 
The Warriors were also winners. In the NHL, the Islanders beat the Devils 4-3. The Rangers lost in a shootout to the Flyers 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and as we get ready to kick off the first full trading week of the second quarter, we're joined now by Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, great as always to speak with you. Obviously, a lot of focus for investors on the war developments and the growth prospects for this economy. We have the 210 yield curve in a pretty strong inversion here. Uh, how much stock do your analysts, uh, at least on the equity side, put on the inversion of the yield curve? Well, thanks for having me, as always. Look, it's a great question. I actually asked my bank team this recently, and they're more focused on 10 threes. Um, and also, frankly, you know, sort of looking across different sectors and different industries, I think our analysts tend to look at the preponderance of the evidence as opposed to any one particular indicator. And as we've got, you know, kind of gotten ready for this upcoming reporting season, I think one of the things that's really on a lot of our analysts' minds is just how strong the characterizations of demand have been. And so far, there aren't really any indications that that characterization of characterization of demand has weakened. And it's very hard, you know, to sort of anticipate heading into a recession when the descriptions of demand are so robust. So I think, you know, our analysts are vigilant, as am I. Um, but I think for now, the stock market has voted and the market, has, you know, is sort of acting like we are heading into a growth slowdown as opposed to a recession. Well, we heard from uh, Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley saying that the uh, bear market rally, as he terms it, is over. He's doubling down on a defensive bias. Is he calling this wrong? Look, I think it is very hard to get excited about defensive sectors at this point in time, despite all the worries that we have, you know, sort of piling on us as equity investors. And one of the reasons is that uh, when we look at our models, defensive sectors like healthcare, consumer staples, utilities are already quite overvalued relative to the broader market. If you look at where valuation opportunity is emerging, it's more on the growth side of the equation. So areas like consumer discretionary, communication services, classic technology have seen value valuation multiples really come in, and cyclicals still look pretty cheap. So I understand, you know, sort of the impulse to, to kind of, you know, kind of weigh into defensives here, just given all the, the concerns that are weighing on the market. From a bottom-up perspective, it's very difficult. And I'll also tell you, you know, and I know I've talked about it on this program before, but if you look at the sentiment gauges, and particularly AAII, net bull bears, um, they have recently been below levels um, that were the pandemic lows. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Um, the sentiment has been so bad um, that it was worse than some of the, the days of the pandemic. And, you know, I'm very mindful of that as we navigate this environment, that a lot of the pressures in the market have already been baked in, and we don't really want to fall into that vicious vortex of negativity on our side. Now, you made some news late last week with your call over at RBC to uh, downgrade energy stocks. What was behind that? So, you know, thanks for asking us. It was a very, very tough call on our part. And, but we, we do have this sense that market leadership is shifting away from value and back to growth. And we've been thinking about this for quite some time. Last August, 
we actually said we expected value to see a big surge in relative performance to start the year, but that by the time we got to mid-year, we'd see the market leadership transition back to growth. And we've actually signaled recently we thought that transition was happening sooner. Um, you know, we've been overweight energy since January of 2021. And to be honest, it still looks good on our valuation models. Our interventions are very strong. But we know that value really only works when the economy is hot, running above average. Growth tends to outperform when the economy is running cool. And my economist recently cut his forecast to 2.5% for this year. Consensus is also looking for a less than less than trend for next year, around 2.3%. So we know the economy is cooling off. That naturally pushes leadership back towards growth. We also passed an important mile marker in the form of uh, first Fed rate hikes. Typically, growth leadership resumes after that. Value really works ahead of the first hike. We had a decision to make what, how we were going to take value exposure down. We surveyed our analysts and found that their conviction level on energy had simply come down relative to where it had been. They're still constructive, but not nearly as constructive as they, as they have been based on a quarterly survey that we do with them that we just completed last week. Only about 30 seconds left here, Lori, but do you expect that rotation from value into growth to continue if the Fed is more aggressive with rate hikes, if we see like 50 basis point increases at multiple meetings? You know, we think the Fed is already priced in from a valuation perspective. The economic damage that may happen from those hikes is not, so that's that's another question and something else we have to monitor. But we do think that the punchline from those hikes and that aggressive Fed stance is cooling off economic growth, not necessarily tilting us into a recession, but the cool down on that economic growth is the fundamental catalyst that pushes the market back to growth. Thanks for this. As always, Lori, great having you with us. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Right now, S&P futures are up, uh, but just by six points. Dow futures up five. NASDAQ futures are higher by 48 points. That's a gain of a third of one percent. The 10-year Treasury is down 330 seconds. The yield 2.39 percent. Yield on the two-year is higher by almost six basis points at 2.44 percent on a two-year Treasury note. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, uh, mostly sunny today, highs near 55 degrees. Late day rain possible tomorrow with a high near 60. The rain will end by Wednesday afternoon with highs back in the mid-50s, currently 40 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Russia and Ukraine may resume video talks later today, even as Kiev accuses Kremlin forces of carrying out atrocities. Russia is dismissing images of, ex- of executed unarmed civilians as fake. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says the war is destroying his country. We couldn't have imagined anything like this because this is a maniac type of decision to dis- to destroy the whole nation. Zelensky spoke through an interpreter to face the nation on CBS. You can catch the show every Sunday here on Bloomberg Radio. President Zelensky also made an appearance at the Grammys with a video message asking for more support. Our musicians wear body armor instead of tuxedo. They sing to the wounded in hospitals, even to those who can't hear them. But the music will break through anyway. 
Zelensky is accusing Russia of committing genocide in Ukraine. Some EU governments are pushing to impose more sanctions following allegations of Russian war crimes, Nathan, but there's no consensus yet on a new sanctions package. Jamie Dimon's also calling for more sanctions on Russia, Karen. That came in his annual letter to shareholders where the J.P. Morgan Chase CEO also says the Fed may raise rates higher than markets expect. Meantime, Nathan, a new survey is calling for a recession next year. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Close to half of financial professionals and retail investors see a U.S. recession next year. That's according to results of our Bloomberg Markets Live weekly survey. Only 15% say it could happen this year. 21% flag 2024 as the most likely timing. Just over half of the 525 respondents believe the inversion between two- and 10-year Treasury yields is the most likely warning signal among yield curve inversions. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. And there could be more pain ahead for stocks, according to one prominent Wall Street strategist. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with that. John. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says the current run-up in the S&P 500 was nothing more than a bear market rally that's run its course. He expects a rough month ahead for the index, telling investors to put their money into defensive stocks. And despite the pounding bonds have taken, Morgan Stanley's strategists are more constructive on bonds than stocks over the near term. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. NSP futures are a little change this morning. So are Dow futures, NASDAQ futures up 37. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 39 degrees in Central Park. We've got an accident on the inbound upper level, the George Washington Bridge. Details on the delays coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. President Biden is calling on Congress to take action against gun crimes after six people were shot and killed early Sunday in downtown Sacramento. Police say three men and three women were fatally shot. Twelve others were wounded. Authorities say there were at least two shooters. Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg says it's past time to deal with gun violence. This sickness will be cured someday in this country, or we will destroy ourselves in this country. Mayor Steinberg says a motive has not been offered. Meanwhile, New York Mayor Eric Adams says he spoke to President Biden over the weekend about gun violence. Adams says his crime task force has been out on the streets collecting illegal weapons. Seventy percent of those who were carrying the guns had prior uh, violent offenses. So we need to combine with that small number of people who are carrying guns with the large number of guns on our street and get both off our street. Adams spoke on CBS's Face the Nation, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. The Senate Judiciary Committee is set to vote today on confirming Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. A full Senate vote is possible this week. It looks like President Biden has the votes to get his nominee to the Supreme Court. Judge Jackson would be the first black woman confirmed to the nation's highest court. Daniel Craig's return to Broadway and a new version of Macbeth has been temporarily halted after the actor contracted COVID-19. Performances are canceled through Thursday. Craig stars in a revival of Williams Shakespeare's Tragedy. Other high-profile shows on Broadway have had to cancel shows due to their lead actors contracting the virus. 
including both the music man, Leeds, Hugh Jackman, and Sutton Foster. John Batiste was the big winner at last night's Grammy Awards with five, including Album of the Year. Silk Sonic took home Record of the Year. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Kansas and North Carolina tonight in New Orleans for the NCAA Championship. Jayhawks have won the title three times in their history. Carolina six times. Not expected to win this year. Tariels were an eight seed because they lost five games by more than 16 points. They lost at home to lowly Pitt. But since that loss, 11-1, two wins over Duke. And now Hubert Davis, the ex-Nick, has a chance to make history win a championship as a rookie head coach. All I'm thinking about are these kids, these players. And I told them that um, how happy I am that I get a front row seat just to be able to, for them to go through this season and go through these experiences. It's a blessing for me. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Those are the things that I'm thinking about. Technically, Steve Fisher won a title with Michigan in his first year, but he was an interim coach who just taken over the team. Women's championship in Minneapolis won easily by South Carolina, 64-49 over UConn. Final week for the Knicks, playing out the string. Easy win by 30 in Orlando. R.J. Barrett scored 27 at the Garden. Rangers trailed Philadelphia 3-0, rallied to tie. Mika Zibanejad and new Ranger Andrew Kopp scored 12 seconds apart, but the Flyers won 4-3. In a shootout, Islanders beat the Devils also 4-3. Hat trick for J.G. Peugeot. Isles have won four in a row, still 11 points out for a playoff spot. A rare Met-Yankee trade. Miguel Castro to the Yanks. Joely Rodriguez to the Mets and a swap of relievers. Yankees also sent reliever Albert Abreu to Texas for catcher Jose Trevino. The Masters tease off Thursday. Reports throughout here on Bloomberg Radio. Will Tiger Woods play? He calls himself a game-time decision. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? No more reason to listen. Okay, thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The Pizza Principle, a mainstay of New York economics for more than four decades, says that a slice of cheese pizza will always be the same price as a subway ride. Not anymore. Prices for plain slices are soaring above three bucks throughout the city. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority is freezing fares at $2.75. Friday's vote by workers in an Amazon warehouse to unionize was a watershed moment for the company. It's managed to keep unions out of its U.S. operations for more than a quarter century. Unless the result is overturned, Amazon will have to start talks that could hamper its ability to adjust work requirements and scheduling on the fly. Federal Reserve Bank of New York President John Williams says well over two-thirds of New York City's job losses have been reversed. He also says some sectors hit hardest by the pandemic, though, continue to struggle. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about big pay raises for company chief executives. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Travelers are raring to go, and rising hotel prices aren't stopping them. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that hundreds of small independent drugstores are accusing United Health 
of shortchanging them by more than $100 million. I'm Ed Corey on WOAI in San Antonio. I'm reporting that Toyota sold nearly 11,000 Tundra pickups made in the city in March. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Among the few encouraging trends in American education during the pandemic has been the growth of public charter schools, where enrollment has risen by 7%. Fed up with underperforming public schools, parents are voting with their feet. Unfortunately, the Biden administration appears intent on ignoring this warning sign. The Education Department has proposed new rules that would effectively bar charter school operators from receiving federal support if they open in areas where public school enrollment is declining. Those Those are the very communities where dissatisfaction with public schools is boiling over. Charter schools can't fix all of the problems facing the U.S. public education system, but they're a lifeline for millions of students trapped in failing schools or at risk of dropping out. Biden should show he's on their side and scrap these wrong-headed rules. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures up seven points now. Futures up 12. NASDAQ futures higher by 53 points. And the 10-year Treasury yield 2.39%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny mid-50s today. Upper 50s with late-day rain tomorrow. The rain will end by Wednesday afternoon, back to a high near 55. Right now, 39 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe and U.S. stock index futures are higher as traders weigh the latest developments in the Ukraine war with peace talks set to resume amid a new push for stiffer sanctions on Russia. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up six points. Dow futures little changed. NASDAQ futures up 48. The DAX in Germany is little changed. Ten-year treasury down 330 seconds. Yield 2.39%. The yield on the two-year 2.45%. NYMEX crude oil is down 7 tenths percent or 67 cents at $98.57 a barrel. The euro 1.1017 against the dollar. And Bitcoin is lower down 8 tenths percent at $46,020. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Some European Union governments are pushing to quickly impose new sanctions in response to multiple reports that Russian troops executed unarmed civilians in Ukrainian towns. It comes as Ukraine cites more evidence of war crimes in the north. Estelle Harris, who played George Costanza's mother on Seinfeld, has died. Harris, who also was the voice of Mrs. Potato Head in the Toy Story movies, 
was 93. South Carolina has captured its second national championship in the women's NCAA basketball tournament. The Gamecocks shut down UConn 64-49. The men's NCAA tournament final is tonight between Kansas and North Carolina. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics beat the Wizards 144-102. The Warriors were also winners. In the NHL, the Islanders beat the Devils 4-3. The Rangers lost in a shootout to the Flyers 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air, and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It is 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined once again now by Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. Roz, good morning. Of course, we've all by now seen these uh, horrifying images purportedly of civilian casualties in cities near Kiev that Russia's pulled out of. We should note that Russia is calling these reports of civilian deaths fake. What's been confirmed about Ukraine's claims? Has anything been confirmed yet? Well, nothing has been confirmed, but obviously there's a big body of evidence out there, both in footage that was taken as Ukrainian forces went back into this town when it was vacated by Russia that's been shared widely and, of course, uh, by others and by Western media that's been going in there as well of images that you say are quite horrific that point toward uh, what Europe and others in the U.S. say could be war crimes committed by Russian troops in that town, certainly images of of bodies in the streets, bodies tied up, people with their hands tied behind their backs, quite distressing in the extreme, and, of course, pressing Europe and others then to respond more forcefully to Russia, perhaps, than they have so far um, in terms of economic pressure on Russia for its actions inside Ukraine. And that's where the conversation is really going to centre in Europe, is what else they can do to try and pressure Russia to change its course in the war. Well, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into what that conversation could look like. There have obviously been many sanctions imposed on Russian oligarchs, on Russian banks. Obviously, the uh, oil and gas sector seems to be a place where Europe feels pretty reticent about putting pretty strong sanctions there. Is that on the table? Is Russian energy on the table now? Well, it's very hard to say that it can't come on the table, at least for the conversation. You can see that nations in Eastern Europe, for example, are just saying it needs to be the next step. You're seeing other countries, including France, um, indicating the same. And certainly a lot of pressure that's going to come on Germany to open the conversation more forcefully about cutting off the taps for Europe in terms of Russian oil and gas. Of course, Germany is the most exposed economy, the biggest economy in Europe when it comes to this. And it's been very reticent. To do so, in fact, even today, the economy minister was out this morning saying you can't act on this too quickly because the economic shock to Germany would be too great. But you can see a real conversation that's going to escalate here in terms of what Europe can do, because they've made it clear they're not going to send troops into Ukraine. So what else can they do uh, aside from military action to support Ukraine? Um, So you'll see a lot of pressure coming for a conversation on that this week amongst the EU nations. And I guess there's an open question as well about how these claims affect the conversation if it comes up today between Russia and Ukraine. There's been some talk that there's going to be more negotiations by video today. You got to wonder how, what kind of basis there can be for negotiations now when Ukraine is putting these kinds of horrific claims against Russia right now. 
Well, that's right. And it's possible, though, that there will be video talks today. Right now, Ukraine is indicating that it's willing to keep those negotiations going because its border imperative is most important, which is to achieve somehow at least a temporary ceasefire that covers most of Ukraine, if not all of it, for at least 48 hours to allow some humanitarian aid to get in and out of some of the the worst hit areas and also to allow the safe movement of people because we've seen that really struggle around towns like Mariupol in the southeast of Ukraine, which have been under siege for weeks, no aid or very limited aid coming in or out. So Ukraine says despite what they're seeing in these towns in the north as Russian troops leave, they feel the conversation has to continue at that higher level to try and achieve at least a temporary ceasefire. As always, Roz, thanks for joining us. Rosalind Matheson, uh, Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Federal court ruled that Walmart must stop selling shoes that Van says are an entire slate of knockoffs of its old-school skate shoes. A federal judge in California ruled that Facebook will face a trial over whether it collects and uses biometric data of Illinois residents who do not have Facebook accounts, but the scope of the suit was trimmed. The federal circuit revived a patent infringement suit against Nintendo related to the synchronizing of data streams with its game controllers. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He's facing calls to recuse himself from cases involving 2020 election disputes or the January 6th insurrection. That's after revelations that his wife, Ginny Thomas, repeatedly pushed to overturn the presidential election in a series of texts with former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. For more on the matter, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Rebecca Royfe, a professor at New York Law School. Rebecca, what are the rules for recusal that Supreme Court justices follow? There are rules that are drafted for all judges, and those rules require a judge to disqualify himself or herself whenever that judge's impartiality might reasonably be questioned. But that's a really broad rule. And in general, there are some more specifics about when judges normally recuse themselves. And the general proposition is interpreted in light of those more specific rules. And one thing that's kind of important also is that Supreme Court justices are a little bit different than other judges in that there is no one to take their place when they recuse themselves. And so for that reason, it's generally a good idea for judges to be a little bit more conservative about exercising their discretion to recuse themselves in particular cases. So according to the texts that have been revealed, Ginny Thomas weighed in on Trump's legal team, legal strategy. She was actively involved in trying to get the election overturned. Justice Thomas participated in two cases related to the 2020 election. He was the only justice who dissented when the Supreme Court allowed the release of records from the Trump White House to the committee. Should Mm -hmm. he have recused himself from those cases? 
my view in this matter is that for the case having to do with the emails specifically, Justice Thomas, if he knew that his wife had emails that were at issue in that case, should have recused. Because in that case, then she might have had an actual interest. So more than just sort of her own ideological agenda, she might have had a personal interest, either criminal liability, civil liability, or at least, you know, personal embarrassment at issue in that case. And so it seems to me that he, if he knew, really should have recused. The other cases for me are a harder call because what it is that is her interest is less concrete. And that makes it more difficult and not clear cut because Supreme Court justices in the past, it's very clear that there's a record for recusing themselves in cases in which, let's say, they have a financial interest or a spouse has a financial interest or they're connected to a party in the litigation. All of those are cases in which you see most Supreme Court justices recusing themselves in most cases. But the connection here is a little bit more attenuated. And so I think, therefore, you have to look at the particular case and see whether or not there's a concrete interest rather than just a sort of broad ideological interest. And that's New York law professor Rebecca Royface speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.